What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is, I don't even know what day it is, Sunday? Monday here, Sunday there. It is Memorial Day weekend, so even though it's Sunday, I'm still off from work tomorrow, like most people are, which is great. Was at my parents' house. We had a nice barbecue. I'm super full, so if I sound more like a slug than normal, (laughs) just very full. I've got the house to myself for the first time in about eight weeks. The kids went back to school today full time, so hopefully that all goes well and keeps going. Were they excited? They were, yeah, excited and a bit nervous, I think. I um, read this article actually about reverse culture shock and how people are anxious to go back to normal, which I think is true because it has been a long time and, you know, it's weird when everyone's been so cautious to then just have to go back and be normal again. Mm -hmm. So, no, but they were excited, but, yeah, a little bit nervous as well. Yeah. Clearly people in, what was it, where Lake Ozark is? didn't weren't <laughs> too worried told me about that with all the you know yeah thousands and thousands did of you people. see the pictures it's so crazy yeah i did i wouldn't even want to be in that environment if there wasn't a pandemic like no Neither thank would you I. I can think of not much else worse than that i'd honestly probably rather be dead than be in a <laughs> pool or lake or whatever it was with that many people near me it's a bit of a cesspool really it's just like gross. I feel like you're just like swimming in other people's mm. like body liquid, <laughs> body fluids. Yeah, I can think of much more enjoyable things to do. Ugh. I I just don't love people, so <laughs> maybe that's. I think this all made me realize how much I actually don't like a lot of people. So <laughs> it's going to be hard to get back into it. The traffic's bad again everywhere, and yeah, that was a nice little break from that, but. I guess I'm in the traffic, so I'm contributing to it. So you're the problem? <laughs> yeah. Caused all the problems. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's opening. We're supposed to open phase, do phase one of opening on Tuesday, which isn't really much. Just a few more things are allowed to open. We won't have any exciting stuff really opening till phase three. So who knows when we'll ever get there. Phase three is when like restaurants and Places like that are allowed to open, so that's what I'm waiting for. They've let restaurants and bars and stuff open here, but you can only have a maximum of 10 people. No matter if you've got, you know, a multi-level building, you can still only have 10 people. So that's like a lot of places still haven't opened. But Mm. as of June 1, they're letting, I think it's 50 people um, per venue, depending on the size. So I think a lot more places are planning to open on June 1 and we're getting all our beauty services back June 1 too. So, you know, beauticians, nails, all that are reopening. Jealous. So it's, it's, it's happening pretty quick now that it's started. I think it's like only been since mid-May that things have actually been open, you know, at all. So it's happening pretty quickly, which is hopefully a good thing. Yeah. Fingers crossed. It's lucky that we're um, not in Brazil. Have you seen what's going on there? Not really, just in passing. (laughs) I saw that they're, like, not allowed here anymore or something. I think they have now the second most amount of cases in the world, like even more than Italy and, you know, wherever it was terrible. But the president just doesn't care. When they ask him, he's like, yeah, so what? (laughs) Yeah, I can see saw that, like, last week that they were creeping up on us. And they have all the favelas there, which is, you know, like, I guess equivalent to the slums or you know, very high poverty areas where people live so closely to each other in quite terrible conditions. So 
if it's in there or when it, I'm sure it is in there, that it's just going to spread like wildfire. It's very, very sad for those people. It's, I don't know. I was going to say it kind of sucks for us because they wrote yeah. below us. Because I think that's one lucky thing about us being here is that we're so far away from everyone. It's kind of easier to isolate ourselves. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I've just looked it up. They've had they've twenty two thousand people have died there in Brazil. Very sad. What else can we talk about? <laughs> I know what we want to talk about is <laughs> Madison. Madison Bell. Madison Bell, who has made my life hell. I spent so much time on this this week, and then. I, I think I always knew this was how it was going to turn out, but you did. Olivia always <laughs> said that she was pretty certain that she ran away and would just be alive. And I was like, no way, she is dead. <laughs> she would not just run away from her family and life like that. Absolutely not. She got it, I said it reminded me of like Anaya or Molly Tibbetts. And it did remind me of a lot of a lot of Mackenzie. I thought that like if she didn't run away, that was maybe we should tell everyone what happened anyway before we go into all this. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so Madison Bell is an 18-year-old female from Greenfield, Ohio. And last Sunday, which was May 17, she yelled out to her mother that she was going to go tanning. Um, I think in preparation for some graduation. Um, ceremony that she had on that day and then basically she never showed up to get her tan and she wasn't seen again her car was found abandoned in a church parking lot which was next to the tanning place and her phone was in there so basically straight away her mother made a post saying please look out for Madison she hasn't returned contact me so this went on and on and on for days we had thousands of people join the group for it like there was no sign of her, that everyone, you know, all this speculation about why would she leave her phone, why did she pull into the parking lot, and then what happened was the police released a photo of a man who had been seen at the, I think it's called the Country Corner Market, which is where she was getting her tan, and they said that they wanted him in relation to, to speak to him in relation to the disappearance. And basically not too much longer after they did that, Madison must have come forward and said that she was totally fine and safe and that she wanted to start a new life and not let her family know where she was. Mm-hmm. So that went on for a whole, almost a whole week. And they had helicopters, yep. dogs, Texas, equi- I don't know how to say it. Equisearch. Texas Equisearch, I think it is. Yeah, that. I'm pretty sure they the, were all there. The FBI the mom were involved. Something on TV. The FBI yeah, involved. Okay. That's why that was going to be one of my points to you of why <laughs> I was like, no, she's definitely dead because I was like, the FBI is involved. As the time went on, I, I started to think, oh, maybe something did happen, but it was just so strange to me. Like, the, well, I, all of their statements pretty much hinted at that they thought she ran away. Yeah, they but kept since saying since we were hot off the Shermans. I was like, don't trust the police. Yeah, and even, um, like, I'm just trying to find exactly what they said, but it was basically things like, you know, you can come forward and let us know that you're safe. That's all we want to know. And so that's well, like... They, they also said something like, we're investigating it, how the family wants us to investigate it, and also that she might have just run off or something. They said, yeah, basically there's two options, that either she ran off or that there's foul play. The sheriff said... At this point, it don't look like there was a struggle in the vehicle. We're treating it in two ways. 
We're treating it as the family likes. They think there's possibly foul play. And there's also the fact, some information we got that she took off. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what that information was. I know the online rumors are that she left a note and her mother knew that she'd taken off and, but didn't, you know, they didn't make that public. But I think that's just a rumor. Surely, if that was the case, the FBI wouldn't have been involved. And there's a comment on our blog about it. And it's actually something I was thinking too, even though. We didn't really find a lot of social media for her, how her mom said she didn't have any social media besides Facebook. I feel like she definitely did, and her mom probably just didn't know about it. You found the comments, didn't you? And I think it was her grandmother who made a thing about, you know, online games can be dangerous. Oh, yeah. So clearly she must have maybe met this guy online. Like, I'd love to know if we're ever going to know more. I don't think we will. But, um, yeah, the grandmother made a point, like, online games aren't a game, then, you know, you're playing with people's lives. So I'm assuming that this all happened online between Maddie and whoever this guy was. Yeah. Okay. So her grandma said on social media after it came out that she was fine and safe and wanted to start a new life. The grandma says somewhere in a comment on Facebook, as her grandma, please don't say or comment unless you know the whole story. It only hurts the family more. I'll just say one thing. Online games are very dangerous way to meet people. So if you have children, (laughs) they can use a certain... I'm guessing she means app, and then delete it after using. I personally don't think she willingly, quote, unquote, ran away. Pray for the family, please, and stop assuming you know the whole story. It's interesting to me in that what you've just said is how the grandmother calls her a child. Yeah. Which, and I I do think a lot, like, from what I've seen, and I know I'm, you know, making assumptions and all that, but from what I've seen, her mother was quite maybe overbearing and she had a weird living situation like her boyfriend had lived with her family since he was 13 and he's the same age as Maddie I think so since they were both 13 they were living in Maddie's parents house I'm assuming they've been I think they have been boyfriend and girlfriend almost the whole time if not the whole time Mm -hmm. so she never really had a chance to not date her boyfriend (laughs) yeah or like you know to be you know I don't know maybe she wanted to be with him the whole entire time but if she didn't he lived with the family that would be really tough Mm -hmm. um for you know a 13 14 15 year old to deal with so yeah it is a weird situation and I don't know why he lived with them like I think you were saying maybe it was something to do with him going to school but I thought I saw something about like his family moved away so he stayed with them like something to have to do with school maybe but that was when he was like as a 13 year old why are you, why yeah. are you giving your child the choice to live with his girlfriend when, when, like, you know, fair enough maybe if he was 16 or 17 or 18, but 13 is still young. I don't think you get a choice about things like that when you're 13. But he seems to be close to his family still. Like I know his dad made a statement and I think he said his sister said something. So it's not like he doesn't have a relationship with his family, which I just found unusual anyway. It seems like her family is still pretty much in denial about the whole thing because another comment that grandma made was what if somebody told you they would kill your family if you said something different you don't know the whole story she could have left a note or called but the cops had to find her before she could even make a statement it seems like they're not really on board with she didn't really go by herself she was kind of forced to go even though police have clearly said there's, they don't suspect any foul play or anything like that. And the sheriff actually specifically said that, uh, I'll just find the exact terminology, she left to start a new life. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw a lot of people also questioning, you know, did they really see her? Did they really know she was safe? And 
I'm sure. I want to be the guest. They're not idiots. I know. And like the FBI and everyone was involved. They're not going to just someone. They're not going to just take the word of the first person who calls up and says, "Hey, it's Maddie. I'm fine." I'm yeah, sure. Especially all the attention this was getting. Yeah. I saw that they the family made a statement. Maddie's family. Do you want me to read it out? Yeah. It says we ask that the public and media respect our privacy during this difficult time. We are while we are emotionally raw. We are just relieved to know Maddie is alive and not in physical danger. Thank you to every single person who looked for Maddie, including Rescue 101, Search and Rescue, Texas EquiSearch, the amazing members of our local community and volunteers that came from other areas to search for our daughter. Thank you to everyone who donated on Maddie's behalf to assure we had reward money to offer for her safe return. Thank you to the law enforcement agencies and members for their hard work over the past six days and for leaving no rock unturned. Thanks to friends and family who have supported us during the most difficult time of our lives. Every single effort to find Maddie has touched us and we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. In that, they touched on the reward, which I know that there was a GoFundMe and I know the reward was like at least $15,000. So I'm assuming that that money will be returned to the donors. You'd hope so anyway. I think so. Surely. Mm, I feel like I saw someone say that, but I'm not positive if it was anyone of importance. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, she should have to pay restitution. She like I can't even imagine how much money this search would have cost. It would have horses, helicopters, all that. It would have been so expensive. So yeah. I, it brings up the discussion about should people who choose to go missing have a obligation? And they don't. Like it's not illegal to go missing. You can run off and not tell anyone. But I don't know. It just seems. I, don't I know. saw someone who was like from the area and she said that she knew of the family but didn't really know them well but she said something along the lines of isn't it kind of weird how this got so much attention so fast and went viral so fast and she kind of hinted at like strings being pulled like maybe they knew someone to get Mm -hmm. the word out so fast because it did kind of blow up very quickly and especially like maddie had been missing for like her mother hadn't heard from her for like 30 minutes before she called her in as missing and said, you know, like that, it it all did happen very quickly. Yeah. If my mom called the police every time she couldn't get in touch with me for 45 minutes, the police would have been called a lot. (laughs) (laughs) When I was reading to see if anything was going to happen, you know, wasting police resources or whatever, I saw that on Fox 19, they asked a legal expert, Mike Allen, and he said, I don't know of anything criminal that can be done. On the civil end, you can sue anyone for anything, but I don't see that being successful either. I think the thought would be, hey, you know, that's the cop's job. I understand where people are coming from, but I don't see any avenue to recovery on a civil action either, which is what I basically thought. It's just... Yeah. I, still, I mean, I, And they said when they were trying to get her to come forward, they said that she wouldn't be punished. So It seems like there's two schools of thought, I guess, on this. You know, one school is why did she leave? What was happening? Like we don't know what was happening in her home if there was something that she left for or if she just literally left because she met this guy and she liked him and, you know, she's only 18. She didn't know what she was doing. But then the other one is, well, she was 18. She's an adult. She has wasted lots and lots of resources how can you you can be charged for other things I think you know in terms of you know making a false report and things like that so I just I just don't know for a missing person why it's so easy to get away with wasting resources because I guess and like I know you know in their minds she was missing yeah, so so they put in the effort to find her, but it's just silly because it could have been she could have called prevented. on day one, like she could have called yeah. straight away and said, "I'm fine. I just don't want to go home," and that that would have been it. 
And like I've seen people discussing if this will impact people who actually do go missing in the future and their reaction to their disappearances like is it going to be harder in the future for people to get help when they actually need it because I guess she's like the boy who cried wolf yeah so I don't know I'm sure the family are so angry (laughs) I would be so so angry like after the initial happiness that she's all right I would be very very angry (laughs) yeah I that's probably why she's not going home (laughs) no I'm just kidding (laughs) no I agree like I do get it you know she's young And as I said, we don't know what happened. Like there's so many rumours online about why she left and some of them are just ridiculous. You know, things happened at her home. People don't know. People are just making stuff up. The most ridiculous thing I've seen, and if I see it one more time, I'm going (laughs) to scream. If it's true, I will honestly like jump off my roof. (laughs) Um, But people keep posting the screenshot of someone saying that Maddie walked in on her mom sleeping with her boyfriend. And all of that stemmed from a psychic saying what they felt happened. And of course, it was like a game of telephone where that one person said, well, I heard this. And another person saw that and they told another group like, well, I saw this in another group. And now everyone thinks that the mom slept with her boyfriend and that's why she left when there's no evidence that that actually happened. Even things like in this case, there was a lot of people saying things as fact when they weren't fact. Like I think one thing that especially was the timestamps in the photo. I'm pretty yeah. sure that one person somehow allegedly got the timestamps, which I don't actually think ever happened. I think that this was just an assumption and then everyone ran with it. Like mm-hmm. I know other media things were saying, you know, this this is the time he was there. And like that has never, ever, ever come out from any of the police or anyone. It's just, you know, if someone sees something, it gets repeated and until. Repeated wrong. Yeah. Like a lot of the time people don't even seem to question where it comes, where the source was or where no. it came. No. It's so annoying. Yeah, and like I know in this case too, one reporter specifically said that they didn't have timestamps. But then, yeah, apparently someone else bypassed the system and got the timestamps. So. And and then, like, other things too, like I know I think Maddie's mum said that when they found the car, the windows were up, but then her cousin made a public post and said that the windows were down, like just things like that, just little inconsistencies. Yeah, I noticed that too. Where then you think, well, what is actually happening? Why is there all this misinformation? A lot of people are saying that I think everyone jumped on this bandwagon that she was abused by her boyfriend or her mom, and that's why she ran away. And another, that's another thing that there's no evidence of. We don't know anything. Yep. But it's crazy to me how people are just taking that opinion as fact and fighting with other people who don't think that's true by saying things like, well, you've clearly never been in a toxic family. But it's like, okay, maybe I haven't. But that doesn't mean that Madison was either. And there is like no evidence of anything like that. Like, you know, obviously we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but publicly there's no like charges, there's no reports, there's nothing that ever said that she was abused or, you know, that anything like that was going on. So it is basically all just speculation. It could be any, there could be reasons why she left or it could just be mm-hmm. that she just wanted to be with this guy and that was it. She didn't care about anyone else. Yep. So it could literally just be she romanticized the idea of running away and starting a new life with this guy. I mean, she is young and I feel like when you're young, things like that seem like they would happen and yep. not until you're older and bitter, you realize that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if but we'll ever know more unless she comes out and tells the if story. If she's smart, someone, she'll sell her story. Maybe a boyfriend will sell a story. That would be interesting. Someone's got to sell a story. But if, until that happens, I don't know if we'll hear. But 
Olivia was right and I was wrong. <laughs> I was and I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's good that she's safe. That was the best possible outcome. Yeah, I'm not mad that she's safe and no. alive. I'm just mad I was wrong. <laughs> the other one that I know lots of people have been interested in is the death of a boy in Miami, Florida. His name was Alejandro Ripley. He was nine years old. So his mother, Patricia, came out and told police that she, I think basically that she'd been carjacked, that it says, told police two men cut her off while she was driving. She said the pair demanded drugs and when she didn't have any, the men grabbed Alejandro from the car and took off with him. And I'll say what I said to you before, this excuse is always, not always, but I've seen it a few times where someone harms their kid and then they try to say that these crazy drug dealers came and kidnapped their kid. No drug dealer wants your kid. It's like, like that they thing. don't want a child. <laughs> they don't. Halloween they're and they're dealers. like, watch out, drug dealers will give your kids uh, drugs on Halloween instead of candy. They're just not giving out free drugs to people. Yeah. <laughs> to kids drug dealers just for fun. don't want your kid <laughs> and they don't want to give away their drugs. And they're not just targeting random people to see if they have drugs or kids to steal. Like <laughs> wouldn't you be less likely if you were if you were just gonna pick a random car, you wouldn't pick a car with a kid in it because they're probably maybe less likely to have drugs. Well apparently anyway. they would because they're gonna steal the kid because yeah. that's what they do. Yeah, maybe. Apparently. So this all happened on Thursday, May 21. Um, they released an Amber Alert for the child. You know, all this stuff went on. They did big searches. They towed a car away. And then what happened was they found his body, sadly. It was in a canal near Kendall Lakes in Florida. Anyway, so this went on and on about why would these drug dealers dump him in a canal and what happened. But then they found security footage which showed the mother alone in her car prior to the call that she made to police. So they said she was alone for 20 minutes in the car and then she finally admitted that she made up the story about the men abducting her child and a witness actually saw her with the child near the canal where he ended up being found dead. And somehow there's a video that's been leaked of her actually trying to drown the child another earlier time. She Like the video is on our blog. Where did the video come from? I, I just know. saw it right before I started recording, but I don't know where it came from. We'll have maybe to ask like, Lizzie. Maybe we'll it figure seems, it out. It's like someone was just filming it, and I guess maybe they put it out there. Yeah, so she literally it's like goes for a minute. So she, the child, I, I don't think we've added also that the child was autistic. He had um, right. some conditions, and I think he may have been nonverbal. And he was. I, I remember maybe. seeing that. You can tell in this video that. She's leading him, pulling him kind of behind her. He doesn't, he's not walking like a normally. He looks like he's uncomfortable. Yeah. So she's pulling and like him. She's kind of pushing him along. Yeah. Like, looks like she's trying to give him like a pep talk almost. Yeah. But... Come on, hurry up or whatever. And then she just pushes him into the river and literally turns around and books it so fast. She I was looks, stunned. Like, she pushes him, looks to kind of make sure he's in there and he's like splashing a little bit. And then she turns around and runs full speed yeah it was shocking to me I did not think she'd move that fast (laughs) and then like you obviously can't see what happens but this is all within a minute so she walks in pushes him runs off and then she ends up turning around goes off camera for a minute and comes back with a guy who saw he must have seen it all happen and so then they obviously what her cover-up was yeah get the kid out of the water so I don't know. I have to. We have to look up more and find out when where that video came from, and when she tried to kill him, and you know all that type of stuff. But it's just the videos, crazy. Yeah. And then to know that she just went and did it again. Yeah, and I guess maybe 
like you wonder how it could have happened again, but all she would have had to say is, oh, he fell in and if no one else saw it, but then, yeah, I don't know, wonder where this video came from. Yeah. It was very sad. Poor kid. At least they figured out the truth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Her whole, like, I'm just looking at her Instagram now. It's all full of, like, um, quotes and motivational sayings and little stuff like that. Like, one of them, it says, stay healthy, helpful, and calm. (laughs) Murder your kid. (laughs) Yeah. She's got a thing up there for World Autism Awareness Day. They're all, like, bitmojis. She had another second Instagram where she posted about him. This is Alejandro Ripley. He is missing. Please help if you see him. Please contact police. I just... It happens all the time, but it just always amazes me when, like, this bitch murdered her kid and pushed him into a fucking stream, and now you're going to go and post be like, my son's missing. Cool, yeah, just terrible. Any other cases you want to chat about? Um, I don't think so. I've mostly just been mad about people on the Madison thread. <laughs> all right, today we're going to talk about Corinna Slusser. She went missing in 2017. Her story has always been close to my heart for some reason. I don't really know why. She just seemed like very relatable to a lot of girls when we were like her age she would tweet about makeup she was really into that stuff she ended up becoming an escort and was manipulated and eventually it seems like she got into being sex trafficked and now she is missing and she's been missing since 2017 no one knows what happened to her i think with her because we followed her case pretty much from the start as soon as we found out she was missing we've always followed along with it and i know you did the blog post probably a year ago now i think why it sticks to me is because she just seemed like her life could have gone either way and it just and it spiraled so quickly like literally it was six months from the start we'll talk about how she, she had some other underlying things go on but um yeah it just all happened like if you look at her instagram it just looked like typical like photos the kid graduating high school would be posting fun with their friends you know sometimes drinking smoking just typical like 17 year old stuff and she was like a cheerleader and yep you could see as it goes on she starts posting a little bit more racy pictures a little bit more progression but it's just sad to see that she basically got manipulated into living this life in a way yep and how quickly it can happen if someone is vulnerable. And she is one of the very few people, I believe, was actually sex trafficked. We always say in the group, <laughs> just because someone is a girl that is missing does not mean they were sex trafficked. Like Everyone I know someone said to sex trafficking. In the Madison thing, definitely 100% yep. sex trafficking. Like for me, trafficked. Madison was the least absolute likely candidate to be sex trafficked. And we'll talk more yeah, about sex we'll trafficking about after the story. Before we get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we keep doing that. We both believe that she was definitely sex trafficked. Yes, I definitely do in this case. So Olivia is going to tell us her story, and I'm going to listen and make (laughs) some comments. (laughs) All right. A former cheerleader. Maybe the victim of human sex trafficking. Missing for over a year. These pimps, maybe they conned her and then started to control her. The latest clues. The man was arrested in connection with Corinna. I need to know whether she's alive. All right, so Corinna Slusser was only 18 years old when she left Bloomsburg in Pennsylvania and travelled to New York City. She wanted to chase the bright lights and the opportunities that the city could offer her. She disappeared into the crowds in September 2017 and has not been seen since. So what happened to Corinna? Her story is one of falling in with the wrong people, prostitution and suspected sex trafficking. 
Karina was born on October 6, 1998. She lived with her mother, Sabina, and her brother, Justin, and she spent her childhood and teenage years in the small town of Bloomsburg. As of 2018, the population there was 13,919 people. Her mother, Sabina, said, I was a single mother, but my kids were happy. Karina was a cheerleader. She ran track. She has lots of friends and was always doing their hair and makeup. Even if she wasn't going out herself, she'd help get them ready. When Karina was a teenager, her exceptional talent for makeup artistry became apparent. Her social media accounts are now dormant, but if you look through them, you can see the progression of her growth into a stunning young woman, and she really did have great makeup skills. Mm -hmm. Karina and her mother had some differences during her teenage years, which is, you know, common, I think, for a lot of people. But Karina made tentative plans to move in with her aunt in January 2017. So she would have been 18, just turned 18 then. Mm-hmm. She was popular. She'd been a cheerleader at school. But even though, you know, she had a large group of friends, she still dropped out of Bloomsburg Area High School with, and was one class short of graduating. In March 2017, Karina was hospitalised after she attempted to take her own life. While she was in the hospital, she somehow met a man there who convinced her to move to New York City with him to take up escorting. And this man would become her pimp. Her mother, Sabina, said she got in trouble for underage drinking and we started fighting. Next thing, she's moving to New York. I couldn't stop her. She was an adult. She didn't like living in a small town. I guess she was running away from that life. So a few months later, in August 2017, after she'd been released from the hospital, she left Pennsylvania with only her phone and her ID. She did not take any of her personal belongings, including her makeup or any other clothes apart from what she was wearing at the time. Though she'd left the area, her friends and family say that she kept in contact regularly with them during the time. Her aunt, Julie Ann, told Dateline she wanted out from this small town and this guy gave her that out. My daughter, Corinna, and I were not getting along. When she turned 18, she figured she could do what she wanted to do. I wasn't having that. She moved in with her girlfriend. A month later, I found out that she was in New York City. I didn't know until I saw it on Facebook. My understanding from her friends, she was escorting, doing dinner dates. I told her, get your butt home now. And she'd say, I am okay. On August 21, 2017, Karina's first online advertisement for her escort services appeared. She advertised under the name Carissa. On August 25, 2017, which was a few days after the first ad was placed, a man called Giovanni Pagero stole $300 from Karina while she was in the shower at a hotel in Sugar Hill, New York, called the Harlem Vista Hotel. It's believed that Pagero was the man that Karina met at the hospital and that he was acting as her pimp. So a few days later again, on August 28, Karina confronted him about the stolen money and they had a physical altercation. She called the police. When they arrived, Karina was shaking and crying. She told them that her pimp had stolen $300 from her and that he'd grabbed her by the neck and slammed her against the wall and made it difficult for her to breathe. Paguero was arrested and charged with strangulation and criminal obstruction of breathing. An order of protection was filed against Paguero by the police on behalf of Karina. A copy of the document was sent to Karina's Pennsylvania address and her mother saw it and opened it. She asked Karina about it, but Karina shrugged it off. One relative said the letter of protection was granted against somebody she was living with. It went to her mum's house. We didn't know what to think. 
The letter said she was beaten and strangled, but Karina told her mum that she was making a big deal out of nothing. In September 2017, Karina met Ishiwoni, a wannabe rapper and a pimp at a seedy Bronx motel. He was also pimping out another girl who went by the name Jessica Wabbit. Woni started posting online sex ads for the two girls. Texts from the ads said things like, I got what you need, daddy, call or text me, Carissa. Another one said, pretty face with a beautiful personality to match, always showered, clean and smelling amazing, exactly what you're looking for in a great time. The perfect choice for gentlemen who are into treating themselves to what they deserve. I don't know if you mentioned this, but I remember in the Dr. Phil episode that her mom was on about Corinna. She said about those ads that it definitely wasn't Corinna posting them because she would never talk like that. And it's also it's just like a weird way to speak. It just it almost seems like those weird Nigerian prince emails that are trying to scam you. Yeah. Like. We've got some photos of the ads, screenshots of the ads on the blog as well, if you want to check them out and see what they look like. Like, always showered clean and smelling amazing. (laughs) If I was trying to sell myself, I don't think that'd be the first (laughs) thing I'd think of. And like other things, like even, yeah, like here's another ad. It says, everything you need is right here, baby. No hassle, independent. I have the remedy for every man's sweet tooth. You will heart emoji my demeanor. Yeah. But her mom said that definitely did not sound like her, and that's not the way she would speak. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Now, there was an online ad uh, that she posted on September 5th of 17, and this ad was posted at 10.48 p.m., 15 days before she disappeared. And whether she posted it herself or someone else Mm -hmm. did in her name, we have no way of knowing. That's what I mean. You don't know. And it says, I "I am sensual and open-minded, young, sexy Italian woman. I am the epitome of young, beautiful, and fun, and can adapt to any situation or your heart's desire. I'm a petite, thick and curvy blonde that weighs only 150 pounds. I have sparkling blue eyes, golden blonde hair, and fair olive skin tone. No law enforcement or pimps welcome. I service all. Does that sound like her at all? No. She never referred to herself as a sexy Italian woman. She never called herself petite. On September 7, Karina tweeted that she'd got her very own apartment in Jerome Park in the Bronx. The apartment was a one-bedroom, one-bathroom. We've got some photos up online of it, and it was rented out for $750 a month. Her tweet read, My first apartment all to myself in NYC. Never been more happier in my life. Forever dream accomplished. $750 for New York City is super cheap. I know. Even though, I guess, her... I don't know if you put in here either, but her mom was saying that there's no way Corinna would be able to yeah. afford that. Her mother said that, like, I don't think she had any savings. So, you know, there's no way, unless she had another way of getting money, which is clearly what maybe the escorting was. But yeah, based on what her mother knew when she left Pennsylvania, that her, she, Karina would never be able to afford that. Mm-mm. Her friend Kaylee Levan said she was so excited about New York. She was so excited about having her own place. So, three days after she posted about the apartment, she made on which was on September 10, she made her last known public social media post on Instagram. The location was shown as the Bronx, and the image shows someone smoking a blunt. The caption was Siphon midday mid road is always good for the soul. There's been online speculation that the photo wasn't actually taken in the Bronx, and it looks like it's maybe from somewhere in South America. What do you think about that? I don't know. I yeah. I can never really tell. The only thing that would make me think that are the trees, kind of, that look weird. 
behind the person's hat. Yeah, and I guess like it looks super busy and kind of a bit chaotic, which like the street looks like the city to me. Is that and even meant to be like Karina in the photo? Because it doesn't like. I don't think it's her. The nose looks different to me. I don't think that's her. It's, you can look at the photo on our website, but basically it's someone with a side profile of smoking. It's they've got a pink shirt and like a blue and pink hat on. And I think it is a female because it looks like I can see a chest. It looks like they may have darker hair. Yeah. Though. And like it looks like they, they have darker coloring than her. Their skin is more t- like Corinna looks kind of pale. She's pale and blonde. It just looks like a I don't think that's her in the picture, but I've, no one's ever said. No, no one has ever said who else it would be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's interesting. Like, and I, I've tried to look and because there's cars in the photo, but I haven't can't really see any license plates or. No, of course the license plate is. It's very out. um interesting that out of all those cars, you can't really make anything out. No, yeah, the only thing that looks weird to me are the trees, but. I mean, that doesn't mean that it can't be the city. Maybe someone else will be able to find something that we missed in there. Yeah, everyone go look at that picture and tell us. <laughs> tell us where it is. Where is this? Um, so around this time, Karina called her mother and said, told her that her ID and her social security card had been stolen. She told Sabina that she wanted to come home to Pennsylvania. Sabina said she told me it was ghetto where she was and that she wanted to come home. The last time I talked to Corinna was September 20th. She just said, Mom, I'm coming home tomorrow. And I was like, well, if you want to come home tomorrow, you're going to go back to school and you're going to get a job. It was the first time ever that she said she wanted to come home. I was texting her for like a whole week. I never got any response. I asked one of her friends when the last time they saw or heard of Corinna. She just said, nobody's heard from her. She's not responding to my calls or messages. Something's wrong. Her family have said in some interviews that Karina sounded terrified at this time, and this seems to be the last time that anyone spoke to her. She didn't call or answer her phone after this, and I haven't found any evidence that there was any text messages sent after that time as well. So September 14, Karina liked the post of her aunt on Facebook. Her maternal grandfather in Florida also died on this day. Karina had been talking to her mother about trying to visit him before he died, but she hadn't been able to get a flight as she had no ID. I saw, I don't know where I saw this. It might have also been the Dr. Phil episode, but they were talking about how, I guess, for pimps, it's kind of common practice for them to take their IDs and social security cards because it takes away a lot of their freedom and they can't just escape as easily. Yeah, like, I wonder, like, one question I would have is what, what was the plan for her? You know, she obviously told her mother that her ID had been stolen. So was there a plan to try and get us my ID back? Or what was going yeah. to happen? Like the how were they trying to get her back? Yeah. The other thing I also question is what, I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk about this later, but about the apartment. What happened to the apartment? Did, if, did she really rent it? I don't know. I have, I have questions about that. Yeah. Anyway. So there was another online ad posted on September 19th. So that was five days after Karina's absolute last social media interaction. And it gave her location as Jamaica Queens. It was around this time that Jessica Wabbit became jealous of Karina's relationship with Ishiwoni and Karina was forced to move to the Haven Motel in Queens. So that, that makes me think what, you know, if she had an apartment, why is she moving to a motel? Like I know she obviously needed somewhere to conduct business, which I'm assuming is what the motel was. But it just seems like, I don't know, I guess it's just one of those things. It could just be a story to make people think that she was doing really well. and Or maybe 
whatever pimp told her like oh like i'm gonna pay for this apartment for you and it was really just kind of a lie to keep her like looped in yeah so i looked up this haven motel just to give you guys an idea of what it's like it's not a nice place terrible reviews yeah (laughs) one and a half stars or something but like (laughs) there was like this has been happening for years there's a 2006 article by the queen's chronicle and it's titled haven motel is again target of complaints The article says, neighbours of the 31-room motel, which charges $40 for four hours, so they routinely see scantily clad women walking near the building and witness people having sex in their cars in the parking lot. Residents said they are also tired of hearing music blaring from the premises in the early morning hours and finding used condoms on the street the next day. So it's not a Ritz-Carlton or a beautiful hotel or anything like that. It sounds like quite a sad, seedy place. I'm just looking at the reviews. It's funny that like some people gave it like four stars. <laughs> this is great. This place. I don't know. Like I know you can like this. That says forty dollars for four hours. But I know you can rent it hourly. You know, rent a room there hourly. So this person gave it four stars, but happened to say no laundry service. Every <laughs> night we were here, there was a drunken people up and down the halls. A man at two a.m. playing music on his phone in the hallway loudly. A lady crying that she was quote totally drunk. And want someone to sit with her in the hall. I suppose that goes with a bar in the lobby. Perhaps <laughs> they could provide earplugs like they do in Vegas because I got more sleep there. Mm. Other than that, the soap smells great and the beds are comfy. This person must have very low expectations. <laughs> this person must have never stayed in a hotel before. Mm. So we're at now September 26th. So about a week after she was at the Haven Motel. It was the memorial service for her grandfather, and that was held in Florida. Her family did hope that Karina would somehow show up for it, even though she hadn't been in contact and, you know, had all the ID issues, but she didn't. At some point in September, there's no specific date that we can find, her family decided to report Karina missing to the police. They were asked not to release details regarding her disappearance, as it may have alerted her captors who could move her to another location. Police are on the hunt for a 19-year-old girl Karina Slusser was last seen in the early morning of September 20th at a Queens motel. Police in New York City are involved in the investigation and believe the young woman may be the victim of human sex trafficking. Missing for more than a month, Karina is from Montour Township just outside Bloomsburg. She's in trouble and we need to find her and we need to make her safe. Her 19th birthday was another week later after the memorial service on October 6th. It came and went and no one heard from her. News of her disappearance finally hit the media in November 2017, so around two months after she went missing. A $10,000 reward for her safe return was offered by the non-profit group called Phantom Rescue. I looked up their website at phantomrescue.org and it says, Our goal is to form a global alliance with all anti-human trafficking organisations. This will ensure there is a united coalition to end this atrocity. The key to our success is proper integration with local, state and federal authorities, both within the USA and abroad. Our role in ensuring children's safe return is to be immediately ready to assist authorities while not impeding their investigation. Uh, Her mother, Sabina, also posted on Facebook after she disappeared and she said, I can't bear any more days like this. I fear the worst, but I pray for the best and for her to return home. I'm waiting for an angel to hear my prayer. The house is empty. It's lonely. She always had her music playing in her room. She was always talking to her friends. Corinna and I would sit in here and we would have coffee. I would sit here and she would sit here and we would just 
talk and she really wanted to come up with her own makeup line. She talked about going to the Paul Mitchell School then afterwards. Her dream was to go to New York City. This is Corinna's senior picture. She looks very beautiful. This is Corinna's room. I just want to say that when Corinna first went missing, I wouldn't go in here. It's sad for me. She was artistic. She drew a lot of pictures. This is a diary, my book of secrets. She loved like her necklaces, typical girl, her purses. She loved chokers, like she was just a diva. There was a search for uh, Karina. You know, th there's not a whole lot of information about, I'm assuming that they kept a lot of this under wraps as it was suspected that she was trafficked. So, you know, there wasn't public searches like there was for Madison and all those type of things. I'm assuming that most of the searches happened privately and... I know there's a human trafficking task force who are involved with her. So we were at a year now after she was last seen. It was October 2018. Ishiwoni was arrested for the sex trafficking of Karina and also for Jessica Wabbit. NYPD called me and he said we arrested the last guy that was with Karina. Ishiwoni is 23 years old and he was an aspiring rapper who somehow met my daughter. And from what I read, there was 806 messages in 10 days between him and Corinna. What they said, I do not know. Around this time, Woni posted a photo to his Instagram. It was of himself, Corinna, and Jessica. The photo was from 2017, and it's thought he posted it to taunt the police and also Corinna's family. Corinna's mother, Sabina, told the Daily Mail that she nearly fell over when she saw how different her daughter looked. I know that if she was capable, she would have called me, she said. She's being controlled. I don't know what they've done to her, whether she's on drugs or mentally unstable or whatever, but I know she's not herself. She's just one more drugged up lost soul. She's a clever girl, but she's from a small town. She doesn't have the street knowledge to survive out there. Jessica Wabbit has always denied that Ishiwoni did anything wrong, even though she was interviewed by the FBI about how she was being sold by him for sex. The U.S. attorney, Jeffrey S. Berman, said in a press release about Ishiwoni's charges, Woni engaged in a vile form of exploitation, using force and other coercion to compel young women to engage in paid sex for his enrichment. Jessica Wabbit was referred to in the legal documents as Victim 1. The documents say that Woni and Victim 1 had an argument because she was upset about his relationship with Corinna. Woni told Jessica he would take her, Corinna, to another hotel and would give her to another man. Jessica, along with another girlfriend of hers, Amani Brown, who goes by the name Nellie Banks or Chocolate Drop Online, defended Woni on their social media. Their story is that Corinna, quote, left that night. Other comments they made, Shorty ran off that night. She was not forced to do anything. She wanted to do it. And the next comment says, sad how my boyfriend went down for a girl that went off, that ran off. These two have been online a lot. Um, we've got lots of screenshots of their comments online. They seem to kind of be quite aggressive. They're awful. They bully people. They message people. There's a Corinna group. No, it was a page. And I remember anyone who commented on the page, they would message and harass. And they'll just make fake accounts. They'll get blocked and they'll make another fake account and they'll get blocked and they'll make another fake account. This guy said that he commented whatever and he got a message from one of them threatening his wife and kids who were in his profile picture or something. And there's other stories like that too. That's just the one I specifically remember. But it's sad because it scared people from commenting, from being invested in her story because no one wants to get messaged by these crazy people who might yeah. be behind Corinna being missing, threatening your family.
and actually suggested to the person who runs the page, I was like, you should make a private group because then they can't see it and they can't harass people. And once you block them, they'll be gone. Yeah, I think there's still a few thousand people in that group now. There's like another post I saw that one of them, I'm assuming it was one of them, Tanzania Vasa made a post Mm -hmm. on the page and it looks like the photo's cut off, but it looks like it could possibly be Karina maybe in a either smoking or in some type of sexually explicit position because you can only see the top of her head and part of her mouth. But it says, this is the real Karina Slusser. She had sex for money way before she got to New York. This is the girl nobody wants to see, but hey, that who she was. She left her mother house to live her best life. She'd rather suck dick for money than be at home with the mother that so-called loved her. You're saying this girl named like she dead, but she ain't want to come home. Bitch left home in the first place. They're just terrible, disgusting things like that on the families. Yeah, they, they seem to always be pushing that. Corinna wanted to be a prostitute. Corinna was a whore. She was out doing this out of her own will, which yeah. fine. Maybe, maybe she was. Maybe she wanted to be an escort. Like, There's nothing wrong with that if that's your choice, except if you're being pimped out and you're not in control of your own situation. Yeah. But they seem to keep pushing that story as if it would make people care less. And like I saw Nellie Banks, who was Imani Brown, she said, tell the mom that this arrest is not going anywhere. And then that same Tanzania also wrote, she may be in Mexico with a Mexican flag emoji. Like, they're just not very nice people. They're big jerks. Yeah. <laughs> so in May 2019, Ishiwoni reached a plea agreement with the prosecution. He pled guilty to four of the five charges against him, and he was charged with sex trafficking a minor and using an interstate facility to promote, manage, and carry on, carry on prostitution. He was also charged with violating the Man Act. Do you not have you heard about the Man Act? I hadn't heard about this till I read about no. this case. So it was an act that was originally passed in 1910. Its primary stated intent was to address prostitution, immorality, and human trafficking, particularly where trafficking was for the purposes of prostitution. It was amended by Congress in 1978 and again in 1986, and it limited its application to transport for the purposes of prostitution or other illegal sexual acts. So with those charges and the plea deal, he was facing five years to life in prison. That's like a big span. Yeah, I know. Five years or life. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it just depends how they feel in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so he was sentenced in November 2019. He was sentenced to 15 years for his role in sex trafficking Karina. At the sentencing, her mother Sabina was there and she said, where is Karina? Is she dead or alive? Who is the last person he handed her off to? Please, Ishi, disclose where my child is. And he didn't have to reply and he wasn't obligated to, but he stood up and he said, honestly, I don't know. I've never passed her off to anybody. Is she dead or alive? I'm honestly not sure, but I pray she's alive. Sabina told the judge, who was Judge Lorna Schofield, that since Karina had disappeared, she spends her nights scouring the internet for any traces of Karina. She said she wasn't a girl no one cared about and she wasn't trash to be thrown away. When the judge sentenced Ishiwoni, she mentioned his extensive mental health issues, including a diagnosis of bipolar and schizophrenia. The judge said, this is a very serious offence. Hopefully you can get the kind of medical care that you need. So basically that I looked it up and that was the last update in Karina's case. So that was from November 2019. It's not actually about Karina. It's about his sentencing, but there hasn't been anything since. And as of the end of May 2020, Karina is still missing. I had a look. She's in NamUs. Um, the investigating agency is the NYPD Bureau for Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force. Even though Karina, I know, I know the FBI are investigating her disappearance. She isn't on there in their missing persons section. 
Um, the only reference on the FBI site to Corinna is she's part of a press release from 2018, which is titled Individual Arrested on Sex Trafficking and Other Offences in Connection with Missing Person Corinna Slusser. Um, the FBI Assistant Director in Charge, William Sweeney, said, as alleged, Woney compelled his victim to engage in prostitution through force and coercion, and he used both the victim, Karina Slusser, who has been missing since September 2017, in online advertisements promoting prostitution. Human trafficking is a top priority for the FBI, and as today's charges demonstrate, we will continue to aggressively pursue justice for the victims of these heinous crimes. So Karina is described as five foot six and weighing around 140 pounds. She's got long blonde hair and blue eyes. People think her appearance may have been altered. She has a large tattoo of a flower in the middle of her chest. So that's it for Karina's case. I did make some notes on sex trafficking because, as we said before, I do think that this is probably one of the most clear-cut cases of sex trafficking that I can think of. Mm-hmm. We can talk about what we think happened to Karina at the end, but I looked up, there's a site called endslaverynow.org and it says, for anyone who doesn't know, that sex trafficking is a crime where women, men and or children are forcefully involved in commercial sex acts. In the United States, any minor under the age of 18 engaged in commercial sex acts is automatically considered a victim of sex trafficking. Worldwide, it's estimated that there are four and a half million victims of sex trafficking. They said that when the US Craigslist Adult Services section was available, every day in the USA, there were between 10,000 and 16,000 adult services postings. And this often made it quite hard to determine if someone was being trafficked or if they were working in the sex trade of their own free will. It isn't as clear today of what modern slavery looks like, but by knowing the signs, of human trafficking, you can help protect yourself and you can help protect others. Traffickers would often brand their victims with tattoos using words such as daddy or cash. Trafficking victims may show sudden changes of dress and behavior. They may suddenly have possessions that they usually can't afford. They may have unusually long work hours. Victims may have new relationships with boyfriends or girlfriends that are noticeably older, and I'm not talking about a few years. Difficulty with making eye contact, especially with men. Victims may have untreated medical problems, such as cuts, bruises, burns, broken bones. They may miss school frequently, make frequent trips. Victims may be unable to speak independently. Other people may insist on answering questions for them, or even translating for them. Victims may even be frightened of authorities, seeing them as the bad guys. The site also says that sex traffickers usually pick those who are vulnerable to exploit. Karina met Giovanni Poguero while she was hospitalised for a suicide attempt, and this was probably when she was at her most vulnerable As her aunt said, he gave her out of the small town where she grew up. Another thing that sex traffickers often do is they often offer a job or some type of promise of money. It says emotional and physical coercion is used in order for the victim to trust the pimp and build a relationship. Often the victims are tricked into thinking they will have freedom in the work they are promised along with a large sum of money, but instead they become a sex slave. After the victim has agreed to the pimp's offer, they are forcibly dissuaded from leaving by forcing addictive drugs withholding money and physical and sexual abuse. The girls are often motivated by finances and basic survival. 
I feel that this paragraph is basically exactly what happened to Corinna. She was lured Mm -hmm. to one of the biggest cities. She had nothing. She had the clothes on her back. They took her ID um, and she depended on Guerra and Roni, Woni, sorry, for her survival. There's a photo that Woni posted of Corinna and in the kind of crook of her arm, there's some redness. And it does look to me like that's probably where she'd been injecting drugs. Mm-hmm. So did they force drugs on her? You know, did she become addicted and she needed them to, I guess, get through the day? It all just sounds to me that is basically textbook, I think, what happened to Corinna. I feel like a lot of people have this misconception about sex trafficking that, I mean, I guess it can happen to anyone, but it's unlikely. Like with Madison, how it was the first thing people thought happened to her. But Madison clearly lives with her family, her parents are always on top of her. She had her graduation to go to. She's someone that people would notice is missing. And I feel like people think that girls get just snatched off the street or at the gas station or outside of Target. They see a shady guy and half the time automatically they're like, oh, he's trying to sex traffic this random person. And I don't think that's the case at all. I just feel like that season sex traffickers especially know the type of people that they need to target. It's the people who are vulnerable, the people who have no one looking out for them, the people who need something from them. It's people that they can trick into thinking that they're doing this on yeah. their own free will, like that they're in control, yeah. but really they're not. So people who, girls who are homeless, girls who already maybe started escorting, girls who do drugs, girls who've run away from home, people that feel like they don't have anyone looking out for them. And then they fake feel like this pimp is yeah. looking out for them, but they're and not. And I think that's exactly what happened with Corinna. She was just like in a weird place with her yeah. mom. Clearly, she was trying to get away. She had a suicide attempt. Clearly, she was in not the best yeah. part of her life and went on this path that led her to some shitty people who manipulated her and thought that probably sold her this dream of living in the city, living in this yeah. apartment. And all of that never happened. It's just one thing I find crazy, and I know I mentioned it before, is just how quickly all this happened for her. Like she left she left yep. in August, she left Pennsylvania, and she went was missing by, let's just say, you know, the end of September, so six weeks. From reading her Twitter and things like that, she seemed like she did have a strong will. I feel like maybe she stood up for herself or something, or how when she got beat yeah. up, she called the cops. She maybe tried to defend herself against something and just something went wrong so many questions in this case that i don't know there's nothing out there to answer them for us whether or not it's just all part of the investigation like i know that for instance ishiwoni had booked her out the night that she disappeared who who was she booked to you know why is he never been i'm sure he's identified but we don't know who he is it's probably an interesting investigation i'm sure a lot of it has been kept under wraps because like how when she went missing, the, they said to the family not to tell anyone because they didn't want to alert the captors in this sex trafficking ring who might move her somewhere else. And I feel like probably a lot of the investigation is kept under wraps because it could be part of some bigger sex trafficking ring that they it's, could be following and maybe they want to send anyone like off. They, um, like the sex trafficking investigation was taken quite seriously from the start because if they told Sabina as soon as she reported Corinna missing not to speak about it that was obviously they yeah it seems like they must have known about these people or something so I'd love to know more about you know that part of it I think it's interesting I was just looking at the court documents for when Ishii was arrested 
and the investigating that they did. And I think it goes to show about the sex trafficking and the type of people that they sex trafficked that Jessica Wabbit, who was supposed to be his online, she was always saying like she was his bottom bitch. So basically like his girlfriend or like his go-to girl that he pimped out, like his number one. But even in the investigation that the FBI was doing, she said that he punched her punched victim one in the face, took possession of victim one's money and belongings and refused to return the money and belongings to her. And then it says that police responded and they found her with swollen lip and scratches on her face. So clearly she was treated like shit also and for some reason is still manipulated into defending him and acting like this didn't happen and saying he didn't do anything. And there's both of those girls, they're just, even though he's in jail, they're still out there talking badly about Corinna and acting like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like he clearly treated them all like shit. And so you want and you have to wonder like it's just maybe like brainwashing. Yeah, like how did he how did he do that? Is it drugs? Is it I, I like I, maybe he just filled a void, especially for Jessica and whoever else, a protector maybe. We don't I don't mm-hmm. I don't know anything about their lives or why, you know, what happened to them. But he clearly has some type of hold over them, but he's he's just a loser. He could be like a typical abuser where they come off nice and charismatic and very social and you believe them, but then that's kind yeah. of how they trap you because they'll treat you like garbage. And then the next day, maybe they'll buy you an apartment or offer you this apartment that Corinna seemed to never live in. And I know I did a lot of research for my college thesis that was about Jonestown and had a lot to do with brainwashing but drugs are definitely used in brainwashing people as like a control thing because it makes you just like more vulnerable it makes you not trust yourself as much you feel like you depend on this person who's in control and it's clear in the documents how they're trying to say he wasn't their pimp he clearly was because some of their texts are on here and they're just like talking about rooms and meetings and and like how he was first arrested also is that there was an undercover sting, I guess, in New York PD poses Johns at a motel. It says cops arranged to meet the female victim in a motel in the Bronx in sec- for sex in exchange for $200. The victim told cops about Woney's role as their pimp there. And an- another thing, I remember how they all tried to pretend they didn't have anything to do with her really. I think it was in the last month or a couple of weeks that Karina was like known to be alive. Her and Ishii exchanged like 800 text messages. They did exchange a whole bunch of texts. Like they were clearly in contact a lot. And then in some of the social media stuff, which is probably all gone now. I just at the time was screenshotting it. I thought it was crazy that Nellie Banks, she was talking to someone. Someone asked her, did you know Karina? Because you always refer to her as the white girl. And she said back to him, yes, she ran the fuck off. She ran off after an argument transpired and she left. And that's the story that they've been sticking with is that there was an argument and Krina ran off. I don't know. Like, I know these places like the motel and everything are are very seedy, but surely there has to be some CCTV or, you know. I would hope something. But it doesn't seem like there is because it's just stalled. Like, nothing's happening. The whole thing seems to have stalled. I mean, I'm assuming she's dead, unfortunately. Yeah, I think she probably is too. I think. I don't know what happened before that, but. I don't think she ran off. I think something happened. It, it could have been an overdose. Um, I was just going to say. Yeah, that, that too. Up. Like she could have just 
overdose or something and they covered it up. I don't. I just don't know. He doesn't seem like the murdery type, right? Yeah, or like to be smart enough to pull it off. Like, yeah. how do you, you just say, for instance, if she did pass away in the motel, what did he do? Where's the body? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they've never they must... found her body. They've never found anything. But remember, her. I know Corinna's mom. I think always thought that this was connected to her. But those clothes that they found in oh, the yeah. woods, some like maybe in New Jersey or something, and. It was like a blue, yeah, maybe Tommy Hilfiger top and jeans, and they were similar to what Corinna would wear and similar sizes. And I remember Sabina commenting or saying somewhere that she definitely thought that was related to Corinna. Oh, I found it. Oh, you found it. Oh, here it is here. I got Mystery still shrouds sliced up women's clothing found in New Jersey woods despite tips around state and country. It was a pair of jeans, size 28, a Ralph Lauren polo shirt, flowered bra and blue thong some were either cut or ripped yeah the person who found it said most seem to think it's the work of paramedics because it was cut so maybe they cut it to get off a trauma victim that makes sense but surely then someone would know about that it just seems weird like even if it was a trauma victim why are they in the woods i wonder Unless if any maybe of those, they just i don't know wound up there somehow maybe someone just threw them or something like that but i'm guessing someone would have put in the tip that it could have been related to Corinna and the article I'm looking at says none of the tips however have proved a match for the garments found several hundred feet from route 208 uh, maybe it was like a car accident or something I'm assuming whatever happened to her happened in the motel that night because mm-hmm. otherwise if he had anywhere else he could place her he would you know he would say well I saw her at this motel or this or this it, they would definitely be able to tell too because they clearly have her phone his phone yeah. the other victim's phones because they have text messages in the other court documents between all of them so they could definitely tell like her phone must have just went dead i wonder if they have any of her stuff like do they have her phone like obviously they can get phone records but do they actually have her phone i'm assuming not yeah i wonder like there's just a lot of things that they haven't released yeah so my thinking is whatever happened happened at the hotel either maybe they drugged her to take her somewhere else maybe they did it in a car so that she was already in the car they didn't need to carry her did it in the car and they've sex trafficked her off to somewhere else mm-hmm. or I don't know I just feel like surely there has to be more evidence if she passed away in that motel but yeah. it sounds like not a great place I just there's so many questions you don't even know where to start because all we know is that she was there we made a list of questions I think we've got like there's probably 25 questions it's just stuff that we would love to know but I don't think we ever will hopefully one day <laughs> What do you think about what he said at the sentencing? Do you think I, I don't think he was genuine when he said, um, "I don't know where she is. She ran off," or you know whatever his exact words were. I don't think he was genuine. I don't. He might not know now where she is if she was trafficked, but I think yeah. he knows. I don't know. I I haven't seen enough of him because he's been in jail for a while to be able to decide if I think he's obviously he's a shitty person, but to think if he's super shady and shitty, or maybe he has some honesty to him. Part of me did make me wonder because he could have just not said anything but then it's like maybe he's just trying to cover his own tracks i do know that when i don't know when it was maybe when you were writing the blog and we looked up all their social media and i somehow came across ishi woni's mother's social media do you remember this (laughs) i think like her social media is all about empowering women and stuff like that which is interesting i found that interesting even if i have a minute of thinking maybe he's semi being honest then i remember he posted that old picture of him and corinna and jessica 
that was old because she still had the green. Yeah. When she went missing, she had the ends of her hair were dyed green. In yeah. that photo, you could still see the green in her hair that was faded. It was clearly an older picture, and he posted it over a year later just to yep. be a dick, basically. Just to show and that he, he was with her and just to be rude. I'd like to know if that photo, like if anyone can tell, like you can see a TV in the background. looks like a yeah. pink wall. I wonder if that is what the inside of the Haven Motel looks like. If anyone can tell by photos and stuff online, it's hard to know. It does look like, I never really looked at it, but those curtains that you could kind of see on the background definitely look like a shitty hotel motel. Yeah, it does. It looks like a cheap motel. I always think it's weird that, I mean, her mom would know her better, but saying how awful she looks in this photo, I would feel like she's really just like not wearing makeup. Yeah, I think she looks kind like of. The one thing I do, I think you can notice in that photo is her arm. Yeah, and the crease of her Personally. arm. It's red. Yeah, you can see the crease. But I don't think um, she looks like awful. No, and she looks like as much as you can she looks coherent in um it's not she doesn't look drugged out or anything like that she's just sitting there mm-hmm. smiling she looks maybe a bit tired but yeah i mean she looks like a little pale a little tired but she's also normally wearing a lot of makeup i've actually found his instagram again his instagram handle is mr 40 blow yeah east coast division godson arrived in 1995 <laughs> arrived <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how young he is like his last instagram post is 83 weeks ago and it's him counting money and the caption's big money it almost makes you wonder if he is like a victim too in some way because he's so young to be doing this yeah. and to be in the middle of this like who got him into this and who yeah did him wrong that this is where he wound up there's lots of photos like there's another photo with another woman on there i don't know if it's jessica or whoever but it definitely looks like a hotel it's got those old bedspreads and hotel one star hotel curtains so we'll put his instagram up on the blog anyway so you can check it out isn't there some website that's supposed to document what the inside of hotel rooms look like for sex <laughs> trafficking there is i forgot what it is i've seen it on reddit a few times but people are supposed to take pictures of hotel rooms when they're in them so then when they're seen in the background of child porn or things like that they can maybe identify where they are like that fbi one where they're like you know here's the thing that was on the wall and can you think of any um other cases where i think it's so clear in this case that it was sex trafficking can you think of any other i can't i don't even know if i can um at the moment no i mean maybe a I remember when we had the discussion in the group not long ago about sex trafficking and I asked people if they could give examples of cases where it turned out to be sex trafficking and there wasn't many. Like, you know, occasionally you'll get an article where they say like 14 people have been saved from sex trafficking, which I I totally think happened, but in the cases of just single missing people, I think it's very rare. No. Or they don't make the media very much because they could have just there's so many kids that have run away that you don't know what happened with yeah i found that website it's called trafficcam.com traffic cam yeah traffic with the k like trafficking and it says help fight trafficking by uploading photos of your hotel room these photos will be used to determine where perpetrators (sighs) of sex trafficking are committing crimes i wonder if the haven um motels in there I i don't know if you could see the pictures or yeah it'd be interesting to see so that's a clever idea, really. Yeah, I, I've, it's definitely something people know about. Cause like I said, I've seen it on Reddit a few times. I've just never really looked at it. It's also an app. Guess <laughs> so you can do it quickly. There's a few hotels. The other one was the um, Harlem Vista Hotel was another one that she was at. 
looks a little nicer than the other one, but <laughs> is that 371 reviews? Yeah, it does look a little bit nicer. Two-star <laughs> hotel. Oh, this hotel offers special room for COVID-19 responders. <sighs> for the price, it's not bad. That's a review. <laughs> Someone commented, five out of five stars. Had an affair here. Very nice place. Just a bit dirty. Make sure you bring your own cleaning supplies like Windex and some Lysol and bring your own bed sheets and maybe a vacuum too. Thank you for having me. We'll be coming again soon. Hopefully on my side chick. <laughs> oh like, have these people never stayed at hotels? They're giving it five stars because it's a good place to have an affair, but bring all your own cleaning supplies. Someone else did four out of five stars. A little seedy, but if that's what you're looking for, it's perfect. Wink, wink. <laughs> Seems like everyone knows what's going on here. Yeah, everyone goes there for a reason. The other thing I couldn't find any information on is Paguero sentencing. Um, I'm assuming he received some type of sentence for his assault on Karina and you know, I can't find much about his whereabouts. It almost seems like he was the, I don't know, he wasn't really involved he was just like the middleman almost in a way. He got her into it and then kind of gave it gave her to Ishiwoni. It seems like it was mainly Ishi who was responsible for her towards the end anyway. Yeah, it just sucks that that happened to her, obviously. It does. It's very sad. It seems like the police are taking it seriously. Her disappearance is being investigated by the Human Trafficking Task Force by the NYPD. So that's good. I think what I was trying to say in the beginning, why it's always stuck with me, because at one point when I was that age and before she got into this, she seemed not so different from how I was when that when I was that age. And yeah. it's crazy just how quickly she just was manipulated and just met the wrong people. And she went from being just a normal high school cheerleader to being missing. I think she always had to fend for herself. Yeah. So I think with Corinna, I think she always, or for a long time, she fended for herself. Like she looked after herself and maybe the promise of someone looking after her was too great for her to resist. So if he promised her, you know, I'll get you an apartment, you'll have a great life in New York. It seems like she wanted to, yeah, have a life in the city and maybe be a, yeah. an influencer, makeup artist. Obviously, you have more opportunities in the city, but... It's just sad that they preyed on her like that. I wonder why she didn't take anything. Um, I was like, thinking you know, that too. It's just weird. That's interesting. Maybe she just left super quick when she had a chance. I'm just looking at her Twitter now. and I remember when I looked at I was like super invested. And I scrolled so far back to find anything. <laughs> when this first happened earlier, so there wasn't as many of the automatic tweets. I was looking at her Twitter and she did make a lot of tweets about kind of wanting someone to love her and tweets about guys being dicks, basically. Kind of like any girl that age would do. You know, you post quotes and song lyrics. Her pinned tweet from June 30, yeah. 2016 says, boys that still get influenced by their friends and treat girls like crap because they think they look smart have a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, it just seems like she was always looking for someone to love her and maybe she thought she found that or like a I'm sure they sell it to you as being part of this family and having these people that care about you and like you're all in this together yeah unfortunately they lied to her she was very strong-willed like she um I think that she thought she could handle it and I feel like that might have been what led to whatever happened because she did seem to have a strong will even though she was manipulated in a way I feel like if things got out of control she would try to stand up for herself yeah and I think that she's always, you know, she was just used to that. So she, I think that she felt like she could handle whatever came her way. Mm -hmm. 
had said, like I saw one of her la- her second last tweet was want everything lux. So I think yeah. that she just really did want to be like successful. Yeah, yeah. Like to prove people wrong. She actually said want to be one at August 3, 2017, want to be appreciated. See, it's so sad. It is sad. I remember looking at her tweets and feeling so sad. It's funny, well not funny, but interesting too that July 29, so this is before she left for New York. She wrote, how are you guys going on trips so often? How is your time off being approved? Who is paying your bills? Yeah. So, so it yeah. seems like it was a mix of wanting to be loved and wanting to live this certain lifestyle. Yeah. With him, I don't know, that Ishiwoni's video of, like, that's a lot of money there. I don't know, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. That would be a good allure in that, in that post, I mean, where he's counting his money. So. When we did the Long Island Serial Killer episode, even though that was... Years ago, I don't know how much escorts are making now, but they would be making like six hundred dollars yeah. a visit or a night or something. Yeah. And Karina was beautiful; like she was mm-hmm. a stunning-looking girl. I'm sure that she could have been successful, is if escorting is what she chose to do by herself. Obviously, yeah, yeah. There's tons and tons of social media for these people involved in this case. So we'll make sure it's all up on the blog and all updated, so you can just click and have a look if you want to. I guess that's it for Karina. Hopefully there'll be some updates soon. I know that she's been on a lot of, like her mother was on Dr. Phil. There's been some other shows. She was actually on Dr. Phil. I th- was she on it with? Yes. Um, Emmy? No. Abby, yeah, Abby Stepik. Abby, Abby Stepik. yeah. She was on yeah. Abby Stepik's family, I'm pretty sure. Which is another yeah. case that I've always followed. So I think that's it for Karina. If you guys have any... Um, thoughts about what happened to her or you know if you want to let us know what your theory is we've got a thread in the group that you can come and comment on and we'll make a new new one once this podcast is out but we'd love to hear what you think happened to her and if you followed her case from the start like we have just let us know we've got a few exciting ones coming up in the next few weeks we've got an uh, interesting missing persons one and also we're planning to do probably a double episode on the Todd family disappearance and murders which is a super crazy case i think that was probably one of our biggest cases in the group mm-hmm. no that was a wild ride a bit of a one where we're like where do we start we don't know but i think we're we've got a game plan for that we've enlisted nikki danielle kelly lazzy jeanette kendall to help research <laughs> and we're all working on that we're all working on different episodes so we don't exactly know what order we're gonna do yet but we got all hands on deck We're all doing this together, and we're going to get some good episodes out of it. For now, that's it. I'm guessing you guys already follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. But if you don't, just search True Crime Society, and you'll find us. You definitely want to be in our Facebook group because we do reference it a lot. So if you're ever wondering what we're talking about when we're talking about our Facebook group, it's our True Crime Society Facebook group where we talk about all crime all the time. Very exciting. I've noticed too that we've got a lot of people actually joining the group and when because we, we ask a question where they heard about us and they say they've heard about us in the podcast, which is, which is good. so, so exciting. I know. It used to be the other way around where people from the group would go and listen to the podcast, but now we're getting a bit more of a crossover, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying the podcast, please review, subscribe, whatever you're supposed to do. It gives us a lot of encouragement. It makes us want to keep doing it. So please give us some feedback. Otherwise, that's really it. See you next crime. Bye. Bye. <laughs>